This episode of Talk Your Book is proudly brought to you by Honan, providing a complete range of insurance, risk, and financial solutions. Bundy's called me up, told me to take a look, but stay stubborn as bulls and talk their own book. Get the money, get the money, get, get the money. Well, David Williams, very excited to get you back on the show. I reckon this is your third time that you've joined us, and uh, I know you're going to talk about Polynova today. Maybe to start off with, just for those listeners that haven't heard of Polynova before, give us a quick recap about what Polynova does. Well, uh, we've really had a product only in the market for about the last three years. We produce a foam that looks about like that. That's a small piece, 10 by 10, uh, about 900 US into the market. And the foam's probably no thicker than that, no thicker than the, the, your shirt that you're wearing. Uh, we take a burn or a wound and we debride it of all its skin and we put the foam and cut the foam to, to, to measure onto the wound, staple it in, and depending on how fit you are, that might be have disappeared in four weeks, six weeks, um, and be replaced by a new dermis, probably better than when you were as a baby. And so when I put that on your flesh, it'll turn red because the blood and the cells start to go into the foam. It's like a honeycomb. Uh, you can't see it on, on the foam, but there's a sort of a, a, a very thin film on the top of it. So when the foam has disappeared and your dermis is rebuilt, the surgeon can take his time to peel the skin, the, 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 the cover off and, and close the wound with a skin graft. And as soon as you put the skin graft on, it takes very quickly. So in the last three years, we've really had a product in the market in Australia, New Zealand, in America and in the UK island, and we're now in Western Europe, uh, but it's going extremely well. You just feel, it feels like the US market is the one that's growing really quickly at the minute. Yeah. Maybe give us a sense of the overall sales on an annualised basis and then what yeah. you're doing in the, in the States at the minute. So we just announced our quarterly and uh, it's $12 million for the quarter. So a run rate, if you if you could run it out that way, of $48 million, which is not bad from a standing start three years ago. Um, the US is a record uh, quarter. We've done $30 million, by the way, year to date. So even though our run rate's $48 million, where we end up may, may, may be closer to $40. Um, but it's uh, every month or every quarter looks like it's a record at the moment. The US is not the, is not, not just alone, by the way. You know, we're selling as much product in Australia pound for pound as we are in America, probably more, Australia and New Zealand, and we're now starting to hit our straps in the UK as well. So if you look at our quarterly announcement this uh, only two days ago, you'll see record sales in the US for the quarter, uh, up 60%, by the way, uh, quarter on quarter last year. Um, Australia up, I think, 80% quarter on quarter last year. The UK up about 55% quarter on quarter last year. So this is not a product like a lot of other pharmaceutical products, which is just US-centric. It's it, it's going to be sold everywhere. And in fact, you know, many of the burns cases, we sell for much wider applications of burns, but many of the big, biggest burns cases are in India, in Indonesia, in China, in South Africa, in a lot of places where people are actually living in huts and fall into the fire. Many of the victims, by the way, are women, not men, whereas a lot of the burns you see in Australia, for example, or in the US are men and industrial or people trying to top themselves or, or whatever it happens to be. So, um, but let's not, we've made, our, we've made our reputation on burns. We made our reputation on the Bali bombings, on the White Island volcano in New Zealand, on the Greek volcano, on the bushfires here. It's fantastic for our reputation, but now we're selling as much product for diabetic foot ulcers, for venous leg ulcers, for amputations, for oncology burns. Where it's Our biggest problem is keeping up with the surgeons in terms of the way in which they want to use this where you've got tissue loss. And so you've got a, a clinical trial happening at the minute. What's sort of the time frame for that clinical trial to be completed? 
And when you talk about the other applications that we're going, is it always a clinical trial? It's not sort of clinical trial in a biotech drug sense, yeah. is it? It's a more simple process. Is that fair? Well, it, it's fair. But so what happens is that for this product, for example, in the US, we've got wide applications. So people are using it for for um, skin diseases like necrotizing fasciitis, like venous leg ulcers, et cetera. Um, it's widely used. You do get some... Uh, surgeons though will say, yeah, I see it's being widely used for diabetic foot ulcers, but do you have any clinical trials? So, for example, we've just finished a small trial of 10 long-term diabetic foot ulcer patients where we can show it more as a proof of concept rather than a large-scale clinical trial. In, in the case of diabetic foot ulcers, because the market's so big, we are now actually doing a very large trial on that. But uh, even that's not a $30 million trial that you see the drug no, companies no, doing no, no, that no. takes it 18 might, months it, for phase one and then... It, it might be $2 million, yeah, yeah. max, but and that's quite a big... I think we recruiting maybe 150 patients. We sort of already know what's going to happen because the surgeons are widely using it. There's been academic papers published. We've done a small trial ourselves. So, um, but we we, we want to we reinforce it wherever we can because even though it's now widely used in the US and Australia, by the way, for diabetic foot ulcers, you know, we, we want to take that to the rest of the world as well, which we are doing. And so there's the application on the outside of the body. There's also potential applications on the inside, be it hernia or... Yeah. Or breast reconstruction. Yeah. Have you put sort of an addressable market, a total addressable market for this product, yeah. or is it just if it goes throughout the whole world, it's bloody big and potentially getting bigger? <laughs> well, it's they're all bloody big and potentially getting bigger. But um, in the US, there's a data overload, so I can tell you roughly uh, from government data what the diabetic foot ulcer market is like for us just for our wounds and, and and that because that data is collected in reimbursement and so forth that's 400 million on its own but people will tell you that um, hernia is 8 billion breast is 9 billion um, etc etc but I'll, I'll tell you a funny story because we've got some of the best orthopedic and, and uh, sports surgeons in this country here in Melbourne as you would know down at Olympic Park Sports Medicine and some of the surgeons a couple of those guys came to us just recently and said, why are you messing around with hernia and breast? They're only $8 billion markets. We've got a better one for you. It's rotator cuff injuries. And so when you get to 55, 60, you know, you can lose some cartilage here and a guy can't, he doesn't want to become an Olympic weightlifter. He wants to be able to comb his hair. Mm. So we can, you know, we think your product is perfect for that. So stop messing around with that, you know. There's someone who said four shoulder reconstructions. This would <laughs> and, and very important to me personally. Because when the, their thesis, and we know anyway, when we put that to inside the body and as it starts to disappear it integrates with the native tissue and makes it stronger so the thesis is okay i can sew up a bit of tendon that was causing a rotator cuff injury or in your case other shoulder industries but if i could reinforce it with your foam it'll integrate with the native tissue and just make it all that much stronger you know so you don't need to malinger anymore and pretend you got <laughs> bad shoulders you know um, so anyway, these these markets are huge. But look, even though they're huge, and we and we're doing a lot of research on, say, hernia and breast, and, and arguably we should be doing more on um, rotator cuff. I had some surgeons in the other day who want to do soft soft um, stents for the heart rather than hard stents for the heart. Again, integrating with native tissue. But if I do if I do nothing else than go from forty salesmen in the US to a hundred salesmen in the US and each one doing a million dollars worth of sales, on a 95% margin, if you look at our stat, stat accounts, it's an enormously profitable company. And if I roll that out, as we are with record sales now in the UK and Australia, um, then you know, forget about what's coming in the next two or three years. There's so much you know, low-hanging fruit to integrating this product into surgery around the world as quickly as possible. And so we know rising bond yields in the States have been a huge topic. Uh, 
for a while now, and, it, and it's really smacked growth stocks around the head, particularly yeah. loss-making growth stocks. And yeah. up until this year, Polynovo has been just that. Yeah. Looks like this year will be a profitable year for Polynovo. Yeah. It's yeah. first in its existence. Do you think that can change the way it's viewed by the market and transition out from being lumped with those stocks that have really responded poorly to, to bond yeah. yields increasing? Uh, definitely, definitely. Look, I don't see our stock as being responding to bond yields. Our stock, is, as people will know if they go and have a look at uh, Shortman P&V, is 9.5% short sold. It's the fourth sold down stock in the whole stock market. And uh, when when it turns, as these good news results come out and there's other things to come, as that turns, the, the short... The short sellers, they're my friend. You know why? Because they have to buy. Yeah. And when they buy, it's gonna. You can't buy sixty million shares in this company without you know having a significant effect on them. So that's a very interesting arm wrestle, then, isn't it? So you've got short sellers, I guess, trying to squeeze Polynova out of the ASX two hundred, yeah. which would mean they'd have a good payday if yeah. they were to have the index fund have to sell. Yeah. But if Polynova goes well and has good news flow and continues to increase revenue, those yeah. short sellers get squeezed and they're, they're forced buy. So that's a is that what we're dealing with? That's the game. Minute? That's the game. You know, that's the game it is. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's a very interesting graph I put in uh, my last ASX uh, presentation, but one, where I made a presentation to the shareholders and I said, look, we've grown, I forget what it was, let's say 100%. The stock was 250. I was 7.5% short. And when I announced that, within three days, the stock hit four bucks. It went from 250 to four bucks, and the shorts went from 7.5 to one and a half. Have a look at the graph and just go and, and check it for yourself. But that's what happens when the shorts get caught. Yeah. You know, um, and uh, now we've got a situation where the price went up again. So the shorts come in, knock it back, and there's probably an added incentive to try and drive you out of the ASX 200. Some of those index funds have already gone, by the way, you know, because they anticipate we might go out of the ASX yeah. 200. But look, there's a lot of loyal shareholders, and I've probably seen six institutions this week alone where I think all of them are, you know, very optimistic about where this would go. Is it going to lead to buying? We'll see. You know, but um, I'm very comfortable about it because it's a game. And and as I said, most people hate these shorters. They want to kill them. But the fact is they're my friend because they're going to buy soon and they have to buy. And buying 9.5% of this company, you, you want to be in today, not in when they're buying back, you know. And it's a, maybe talk to us uh, how much capacity you've got in the production facility. It's different to say some other yeah. manufacturers where they're constantly yeah. adding capacity and, and maybe an overview of just how high a margin of product this is. So, you know, we had a factory already that we were renting and it was a some more backyard sort of type factory. The building that it's connected to came up for sale. We we rent the first building, by the way, off some shareholders who uh, live in Victoria. Uh, the second one came up for sale. So we, we've got to buy that because we've got to buy, build a serious plant. So we bought that building for four. We build a serious plant that costs us less than 10. Um, it can probably make 10 times whatever we want to do in the US without spending more than another half a million dollars. I'm sort of making up these numbers. Yeah. I, I don't want you to think it's a $500 million plant. It's, yeah. a, it's a small plant in a very, very sophisticated plant, by the way. It's not. It's a clean room like you'd never see before. But um, And we've just sold that building as well. So that brought in $6 million cash. Um, but we've got plenty of capacity. We can, we can produce anything we want for the US, for the UK, for Germany, for Australia, um, before we need to spend even a couple hundred thousand. Um, when we really start to max out the US, we might rethink, do we want to plant in the US? Do we want to plant in Ireland? But you know what? When you put this, you know, I might be sending you as a surgeon 
10 of these and there's $10,000 in an envelope, it literally can be an envelope. I can put it in a DHL bag mm. and and get it to you very quickly. And and one of the beautiful things about this is when somebody has a deep tissue wound, they often don't do it straight away anyway. They get you into the hospital, clean it up, bandage it up, and then decide, okay, I'm going to put this on. And I'm, sometimes our guys in the, in, in the US get a call from a surgeon and goes, look, I'm going to put something on tomorrow or the next day. Can you come and help me? So our, our sales rep will go into the surgery, show them how to cut it, show them how to staple it, show them how to bandage it. So after they don't need our assistance in. But what I'm saying is there's plenty of time for one of our sales reps to get on a plane and there's plenty of margin for one of our sales reps to get on a plane and go and actually help the surgeon do it. And uh, that's a hallmark of, of what we do. We can do that because there's so much margin as well. Yeah. So as I said to you, look, I don't exactly know exactly what this cost to produce at the moment because we're producing more and more each month so the cost is coming down when i look at the stat accounts it shows me that i'm making 95 percent margin on that wow. so if i sell a million bucks worth of product right in other words it's cost me fifty thousand to make i'm paying an average salesman a hundred thousand the rest of it is is profit so you're right even after three years We've told the market that we'll be break even or profitable this year. We're significantly profitable in the US because in the US now, at at, at a run rate of thirty million, let's say, yeah, you know, that's that's already profitable, and we're hitting them up for charges for the head office and so forth. So it's just a matter of time. And so you have about ten, call it ballpark, about ten million in the bank post the sale of the Lima yeah. Street property. Yeah, is that enough to scale up the sales and BD team for what yeah. you need to to hit the, your revenue targets? Yeah, it is. Um, and I think the thing I want to emphasise to people is that even though we've got, I think, 50 people in the US at the moment, imagine a, a salesman who sells on average a million bucks worth of product a year. Our head of the Americas tells us, I can get that salesman from Greenfield start today to paying for himself or paying for himself significantly more in six months. In other words, if I put on, ten, just imagine I want to put on 10 new salesmen. In terms of 100,000 a year, that's roughly a million bucks worth of salaries. Put a support staff on 1.1 million, 1.2 million, doesn't really matter, right? Um, but if they're paying for themselves in six months, it's working capital. You know yeah, what I mean? That's right. Now, I, I looked at the numbers uh, in January for our sales in the US, and the average salesperson in the US sold in January 118,000 US worth of sales. I'm paying each of those people 100 US per year. So in other words, they, they start to you know, pay for themselves very quickly and extremely profitably. So it's not like if I want to put on 10, 20 people, it's not like I'm building a factory and I'm not going to see a return on it or I'm going to see a little return as we go. Hopefully those people are going to go very quickly and be paying for them, well and truly paying for themselves in six months. If I'm wrong and it's nine months, so what? You know, the, the sales come through and the margin is enormous, you know. Sounds good. Well, you are, you've never been... Challenging, selling a compelling story, and that um, that looks really good. But before you do go, I just want to hit you up. You are arguably one of Australia's most successful farmers. It's going to be really interesting uh, food price inflation, what it looks like, not just over the next three to six months, but probably the next couple of years and potentially yeah. longer. What are you seeing in that, in, in that space, maybe around food price, and then if we could get to fertiliser, just before I let you go. Look, it's a very complicated story. The food prices of most commodities are through the roof, number one. So that should be unbelievably fantastic for us. The problem for us is, number one, getting enough skilled and unskilled labour to get the product off. Like, get you know, If you're a horticulturist and you're taking lettuces off the ground at the moment, you're not taking your lettuces off because there's nobody here. Yeah. Right. So if you're lucky to get 50% off, 
you know, thank you very much. Which then compounds the food price inflation, doesn't it? Exactly. And even if you can get them off, you've got to put them in a factory, you've got to clean and get them into a bag. Even if you can get that done, and there's big problems in factories, so don't think this is just somebody picking cherries or lettuce or something. In these factories, we've got in, significantly increased um, sick leaves. So, and we, in, in many factories, they're closed one or two days a week. There's abattoirs at the moment that are only open for three or four days a week. There's 60, 80,000 lambs in Victoria alone that should have been killed that haven't been killed. So, even though the prices are through the roof, mm. you, you know, actually making it happen is, is a lot of work to be done. And the government's got a lot to, to do here, by the way, because there's people training people on their own bank account in Vietnam, in Indonesia, and elsewhere. They've got people trained up ready to come. So all we need is the government to hurry up and get those visas getting going and we'll get you know some of these people floating back. Okay, that's your first problem. The second problem is how do you get the product to market? So, you know, people like Tassel and Hewan are selling unbelievably good prices at the moment, two or three bucks ahead of what you can get anywhere in the world or Australia, into China salmon. But there's there's 40 foot containers on the wharf yeah. in, in Sydney that should have been delivered in November that are still sitting there. So that's get it, get it. Can you get a container? Can you get it on the ship? But then when you get it on the ship, it's not two thousand bucks for a container to Beijing anymore. It's eight or ten. So our costs are going through the roof. It's fertilizer, by the way, which you want to touch on, is one of them. But it's not the only one. I mean, the most significant problem I think at the moment is just labor. Get the labor here now. That's the that's to get the product off. And for domestic suppliers, that'll be enough. But for international suppliers, we've got to fix the shipping. So all that tassel salmon, for example, they used to go out of Tullamarine Airport in air containers. That doesn't happen anymore because they're not there. So when the boat arrives from, say, Tassel or Tasmania every morning, they've got to repack it into another container, put it on a, on a truck, send it to Sydney, try and get it on a ship. Mm. It's, it's just a nightmare. And so we've got to fix this chain. And, and, but labor's the, the key problem. And labor is an international problem. So the sooner we get it going, the better, because we're competing with everybody else looking for labour. Mm. And there's people dying to get here, you know, whether they be truck drivers who went back to India or, or horticultural pickers in China or Vietnam. We've got to get them here today because if we don't get them here today, they're going to go somewhere else. And on an international level, I mean, a lot of those are Australia-centric issues. In, in terms of the grain and the lack of wheat that's been planted in Russia and Ukraine, even if yeah. the war ends tomorrow, yeah. That, that time's gone. It's not going to get sowed this year. No, no it's, it's fantastic for the prices, but how are we going to meet the market? How are we going to get it to the market? That's the problem, you know. That's right. And so if you couple that with maybe for the viewers that are unfamiliar with, what have fertiliser prices done in the, in the last 12 months? They've gone through the roof. But everything's gone through the roof. You yeah. Know, getting a container to, to China's gone up 400%, you know. Um, so, and, and there's real problem with weeds in the, in the bush now and on farms and so forth. So getting not just fertiliser but, you know, all of the other ag chemicals that, the, that me and farmers are using um, has gone right through the roof as well. But my serious problem, I can, I can deal with that. You know, it's hard, but I can deal with it. But... Labor, labor, labor. Fix that first. There's plenty of other problems. Yeah. Shipping and logistics is another one, but, but labor is the biggest problem, single biggest problem by a long way. Well, scary to think of, particularly for those in, in, uh, third world countries that are, you know, whose complete diets are going to be really affected by it. But, well, um, uh, don't go over that too quickly because, you know, what we're going to see, and I'm already seeing it as an advisor here, is we're seeing countries now approaching us again. This happened 10 years ago, approaching them to buy food assets so they can take yeah. food out. Everybody is starting, all those third world countries, but some not third world countries, companies in, in the Arab states and so forth, they're really worried about food security. 
So as your government, not, a, not I'm talking about companies, I'm talking about governments coming and saying, I want advice on how to buy some food assets so that I can alleviate the need for food security. So that's going to give us the, all sorts of problems with respect to FIRB. I'm just anticipating what's going to happen. And this is starting to happen right now. So for the rest of this year, you're going to see this become quite important. Well, it's on the note after a, uh, a very impressive sales pitch, mate. Thanks very much for coming on. Always love having a chat. Pleasure. No problems anytime. This episode of Talk Your Book was proudly brought to you by Honan who go beyond a transactional insurance broker to deliver better outcomes for their clients. If you're enjoying Talk Your Book, make sure you subscribe to Chris Judd Invest. Nothing you hear today should be considered investment advice. Please do your own research and seek out your own financial advisor before committing any capital to these markets.